0: welcome in everybody to the first very first episode of fanatic smack in the new year 2021 we took some time off we are back and we are indefinitely back we took some time to uh, venture into some other things build up a uh, solid equipment base a solid brand and now we're just back in the game full force fanatic smack is an original podcast from fun times gaming the fun times gaming brand is a gaming sports media and business entertainment brand funded 100 percent across the country through social media founded sorry i should say uh, by the two co-founders myself carrington Gupta, and video game james hooks out there in the midwest um, 2019 we kicked things off and that's when you seen fanatic smack kind of go down for a little bit stop doing it um and then now we're back because we've got everything built up and we're ready to roll welcome into the show none other than my brother there across the hallway welcome in mason gupte also known as a guy by a cactus or guy by a cactus i believe on twitter sun devil fan bears fan as you can see the pennant in the background yes
1: sir thanks man yeah excited to be here appreciate you guys having me on
0: yeah good times good times fun times await here um very first episode and we got a lot uh not a whole lot, but you know, just enough to dabble our toes in, you know, <laughs> the water and uh, talk about some things that are happening right now in the sports world. Um, primarily, we just recently watched the uh, college football playoffs, so give us your take on that. What uh, was there any surprising things that happened in the college football playoff? A team that made the championship you did not expect.
1: Not so much. I mean, Ohio State's been there the last five years. I think a lot of people thought we'd see Clemson and Alabama, but uh, Alabama and Ohio State, not really a shocking development. I will say the one thing that did surprise me is that Brian Kelly and his, I think, third appearance in the college football playoff got blown out again. I mean, this is a guy whose athletes are really around the same tier as Alabama, Clemson, LSU, and he just gets out coached. So um, either way, it's going to be a fun finale. But uh, what did you see out there?
0: Well, one for me, I uh, it was a surprise that Notre Dame was this good all season long. I didn't expect them to honestly even make it there. Um, sure. Of course, being an IU fan, we we always overrate IU, and a lot of people wanted to see them, you know, in a better bowl game. Um, so that was unfortunate. But um, yeah, I got to say, I just didn't see um, Justin Fields having that type of performance that's the biggest thing i mean we've known he's a robot you know he's he's got a cannon back there and um uh, i just didn't see him once he got hit in the ribs i did not see that bounce back coming i just didn't oh, yeah. know we're gonna i thought i didn't think he was even gonna play i was like he for sure broke his ribs so yeah that was that was a uh, that was interesting
1: yeah, it'll be fun to watch it all play out. I think the game is, uh, what, a week from today. So I think we're going to see some fun, fun highlights, but give me Alabama in that one.
0: Alabama! It's hard to bet against Alabama every time. I just think everybody on their roster is a five and four star recruit. I mean, maybe like the practice squad punters are three star recruit. That's what's crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> it's Alabama for me, all the way. Uh, it's hard to bet against them. You know, they're going to come out and perform strong so Um, deep so that's our predictions there looks like alabama now the two quarterbacks everyone's talking about obviously trevor lawrence justin fields what's going on there who's going to go number one and give us a draft day comparison for both quarterback
1: (laughs) well i'm not going to tell you who's going to go number one because anybody that's podcasting or talking out there that says here's who's going number one they're full of it, right? There's just no way to tell there's interchangeable parts. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what Jacksonville thinks about that spot, but Andrew Luck to me is the best quarterback prospect or excuse me. (laughs) Trevor Lawrence is the best uh, quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. I mean, we could talk all day about what he is as a scouting report, but I'm just going to say he, the most important things is that he throws into a tight window. Um, he works through all three progressions, and he has excellent decision-making. And so when you have a rocket arm and you do those things, you're just bound for a great future unless an injury hits. So that's my take on uh, Trevor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's probably the most NFL-ready prospect we've seen in a long time since, like you said, Andrew Luck, uh, Adrian Peterson. There's just certain guys you see him in college and you just know um, how good they're going to be at that next level, how they're going to transcend to the next level. Um, I can say, for me watching them, I, I get a lot of Warren Moon vibes from Justin Fields. He just, <laughs> he he has got a cannon and he's not afraid to just heave it. He's got extreme confidence and he'll just launch it down the field. And he's surprisingly, he's he's decently mobile, but he's not a Michael Vick, you know, type of runner um in the sense of maybe you know dante culpepper was a little less of a runner more of a pocket passer like that um but i get a lot of warren moon vibes a lot of warren moon vibes from him and then trevor lawrence on the other hand it kind of reminds me of steve young yeah he's right-handed but um he has some mobility and he's got a strong arm he'll throw deep down passes and then he'll throw to the sideline over their shoulders so that's kind of what i see i think they're both potentially can be hall of fame quarterbacks
1: yeah, you hit it on the nail. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to point to JT Barrett, Braxton Miller, Cardell Jones, a lot of those former Buckeye quarterbacks who were touted coming into the draft and just didn't play as well. And for that crowd, I'm just going to point to a couple things. You know, he's different in the sense that, like you said, he looks to throw first. I think Braxton, Cardell, JT, these are guys who were late in their career forced into that. Thought process of being a pocket passer, but naturally they are runners. Uh, Justin has that blend of throwing ability, athleticism. He's really clutch. And those are just things those guys didn't have. So he's going to be a franchise quarterback. He just needs to get around the right staff. uh, Just as easily as he can ascend, he can also fall between the floor. We've seen that in bad teams like Oakland and Jacksonville. So it matters where he goes. You have to take advantage of a guy like Justin.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I think they. They, after what I've seen, there's no reason those aren't the top two picks. I mean, there is some, uh, you know, argument. Isn't there a guy, that, a receiver from Alabama that's really good? Um, some other players. But I think, yeah, quarterback is the most important position. And those are the top two guys, whether they go, you know, whoever goes first. I think either way, Jacksonville or New York has their franchise guy for the next 12, 15 years.
1: Without a doubt. Yep.
0: So, and then um, speaking of that, obviously, uh, we grew up in Indiana, born in Indiana, huge IU fans, big major season for Indiana. We're just going to circle back to that. Their best season in my lifetime. Um, So it was fun stuff. And um, do you think it was, do you think they were overrated or do you think it uh, was them being better, plus also, you know, a COVID winked conference?
1: I think where they ended the season is really where they are. I mean, I think they were the eighth or ninth best team in the country when this wrapped up and look, they lost to Ohio state by a touchdown in the horseshoe. So a lot of people might say there's no fans. It's still the same Ohio state team. Um, This team destroyed Clemson and, you know, Indiana can hang their hat on the fact that that's their only loss. Uh, I also think that the next five to eight years really look promising. This wasn't a one and done burnout. Tom Allen has built this program on defense. Uh, he's dug into Mississippi and Florida connections where there's some of the best athletes in the country, and I know Texas is probably one uh, to interject and say they're number one, but Tom Allen's in there, and I think that's going to continue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I, i, I I'm on the fence there um, with uh, the season. Long term, though, I think they're absolutely headed in the right spot. Absolutely. I think they're going to keep pulling in better recruits um, from Indiana and from you know the Midwest. They'll start to get people from Michigan, Illinois, things like that that Go traditionally would have gone to Michigan or Illinois, Minnesota, uh, schools like that. Um, but I do. I think this season was somewhat of a fluke in a sense that, uh, you know, it was just teams were teams were beaten up. Nobody kind of knew what was going on. Penn State was horrible this year. Michigan State was horrible this year. So teams that are usually really good. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how competitive the Big Ten is when everybody's back and has their head on their shoulders.
1: Yeah, and I'm really excited to watch it all play out. I don't think Michigan State has a clear road roadmap, excuse me, back to relevancy anytime soon in the Big Ten. I mean, their last three, four years reeked of mediocrity, and that's part of why Mark D'Antonio stepped down. Um, So they're going to have to turn to somebody, but I think Penn State's going to be back and uh, they're major players as well. So we'll see.
0: College football. It's been a great season. Despite everything that happened, it was chaotic, crazy. Some teams played, again, five games, ten, six, eight. (laughs) Uh, it was it was weird and it was crazy, but rightfully so. We're probably going to see Alabama crowned national champions yet again.
1: Just curious on that. What's your final score prediction? you know we've both got the tide rolling, but what does that look like?
0: Um, based on the fact that uh, Ohio State wasn't superior in shutting down Indiana, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think Mac, uh, Mac Jones is going to light it up. I think field is going to light it up. I think it's probably going to end up being probably I'll say 35, 28 Alabama.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I mean, what we could say variations of of 38, 26, 38, 27. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a high scoring game. I think you hit it there and just matters. Uh, I guess Ohio state can't turn the ball over. That's the big thing. So.
0: Yeah, it's really going to come down to how much the uh, quarterbacks um, just believe in the heave. I mean, (laughs) whoever heaves the most and just, you know, at the wrong time, that's going to be the costly (laughs) thing. I mean, I feel like it's going to be a late third, late fourth quarter pick that's going to pretty much seal the game. And then it's going to go down to just some one of the better quarterbacks having the ball first when it's tied with just not enough time for the other team to score.
1: Yep. Either way, I'm going to be sitting back, turning that game on, watching the pregame, hoping for a classic. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, we should absolutely have one. So, and then one of the other most talked about positivities of the whole year was the fact the NBA was able to have a season, have a bubble, crown a champion, and then come back and start a new season all in 2020 without hardly any COVID testing positives. To cancel games or shut the league down we're back in the nba and some certain teams have started extremely hot namely the phoenix suns orlando magic philadelphia 76ers do these teams keep it up all season or are all three of these teams playoff teams is one team a favorite out of those teams
1: Two of those are going to be playoff teams, if you ask me, as far as if you want to really write somebody in and pen, and that's Philadelphia and it's Phoenix. I think when you look at winning streaks and hot starts, the key is what are they built on? That's how you figure out if they're sustainable. Philadelphia, they've looked disjointed at times. They've kind of fumbled a bit in terms of their uh, offensive chemistry. And same with the Suns. Chris Paul hasn't shot his best. Devin Booker, who's coming off one of the best years of his career, isn't shooting his best but it's being done by defense, uh, Monty Williams, Doc Rivers, two defensive minded guys who not only have their teams playing tough ball on every possession defensively, they've also assembled a really good defensive cast off the bench and guys that can score. So I think when you look at those two teams, they have the depth 10 man deep to play with you all night. Even when starters are sitting, those are things that say, Hey, they're going to be around the others. You know, Atlanta, Orlando, Cleveland, I just don't know how that's sustainable. You know, um, we're going to see how that looks, but I think there's no question they can score. I don't know. What are your thoughts on who's making the postseason out of those guys?
0: I, I think uh, Phoenix. I think you're going to give me Phoenix. That probably um, I'll say I'll say the sixth seed. Uh, I think they can get to five, but I think when it's all said and done, they kind of hit some speed bumps, and then one of the other more veteran teams. Uh, might creep ahead of him so give me phoenix probably climbing in at the sixth seed philadelphia i think at this point should Embiid stay healthy he's extremely hungry right now and just mad wants to prove a lot and then you have championship experience doc rivers with a much better defensive team ben simmons playing better defense i think they finished probably fourth or fifth seed in the east
1: um absolutely doc does a good job of squeezing uh, everything out of him So
0: Boston has been disappointing, but I think, yeah, Milwaukee, I think gets it together. Um, Brooklyn is probably going to be there. And then I think Miami gets it together. So that's probably my top three in the East is going to be Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami. And then you're going to have Boston and Philadelphia kind of hanging right there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could see it playing out that way. I mean, seating is just so tough with injuries. Now we're talking, there's a virus list. (laughs) Um, Uh,
0: It's crazy to see.
1: Yeah, I couldn't tell you on seating. I mean, I think for Philly or Phoenix, it's just so tough. Joel Embiid has injury history. Chris Paul has a is an injury history. Those guys have to stay on the court. Um, but I think either way, we're going to see those hot starts be sustained because of the defense, because of the depth. Um, that just those other teams, Atlanta, Orlando, um, they don't have. So,
0: yeah, and I, I mean, both of those teams have surprised me. I mean, I know. Orlando somewhat has some veterans now. Um, Vucevic has been around. He's an all-star, uh, I think, once or twice in his career now. he's He puts up solid numbers when he's healthy. And then they got younger guys showing up. And then Terrence Ross, out of nowhere, having his best year. Um, so that's interesting. And then the Hawks, they're just young, and they're playing with a lot of energy. But, again, can it be sustained? I don't know. I think if they do make the playoffs, they're an eight seed. Um but yeah. it's going to be a fun season. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing this this year from the NBA.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm just glad it's happening. Um, magic, really, the, you know, the magic rode uh, an uncharacteristic good shooting start from Markel Fultz. And I just don't know how long that's going to last. I mean, even with the best point guard, sh- shooting dries up, you go through spells. So I don't even know if we'll see Orlando in the playoffs. I do like what you're saying about Atlanta. I think they should be in the playoffs as long as they don't get injured. Offense alone, they're going to have enough firepower to keep them around late. Clint Capella's is by the rim. John Collins, Danilo Gallinari. Trey's not alone, you know, on an island. Um, So I think Atlanta fans have some reason to be excited, and Gucci man especially. As soon as they lift those COVID restrictions, head to the hardwood.
0: Yeah, they do um, – some of the other guys they have uh, – what's his name? Hunter. I think it's DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish. Yep. Um, they, ha- they have some nice wing- young wing players. They're just a young athletic team, and they play fast. They play really fast. They kind of remind me of the Suns back in their early days a little bit.
1: Um, yeah, just get it and run. Yeah, so. but I
0: just I, – they're, they're, they have the interior shot blocking with Collins and um, Capella. But defensively, out on the wing, that's where I question them for sure.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, reasonable questions. I think the last game they gave up 141 points. If you look at their schedule, it probably doesn't change a whole lot in terms of what they give up. So they're going to have to shore that up if they want to make some noise.
0: 141, did not know that. Wow. Well, and then we always have our two of the most popular segments in all of sports, are way-too-early MVP predictions Who's looking like the MVP, or who would you say was your pick going into the season? Because people start slow, start hot, um, and then there's your surefire guys you just know are going to be there. Who's going to be our top three finishes in MVP voting this season?
1: LeBron James. I'm going to go, in in no particular order, LeBron James, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Steph Curry as far as my MVP vote, I'm going to go with Steph. He doesn't have the help around that he used to have. He's going to shoulder the load more naturally. He's going to look for his shot more and look, he's a great basketball player still. So with that heightened sense of aggressiveness, I just think that's going to show up on the stat sheet. The fans love Steph. He's a joy to watch. And as long as he's shooting the ball, um, at a high volume, you really can't, can't, you know, say, Hey, he's not going to be in that convo. So I think that's my three uh, again, in no particular order.
0: Yeah. I, um, I think um, that's uh, a, that, those are good picks. I like the Steph Curry pick. I'm on the fence about it because the Warriors are just bad. So it's like, how far are they going to go to get him enough consideration? If they make the playoffs, you know, maybe, you know, he could be in that top two, but if they win in the first round and they make the playoffs, then like for sure, you know, if, if he's right. a seven or a six seed and then they win. Um, but for me, I think um, I think Giannis has already won two in a row um, and he's kind of shown he still can't really shoot this season. So I don't think they're going to give him. Yeah. A I think he does finish top three just because of statistics but I think ultimately it's going to be a two-man race down the stretch between LeBron James and Luka Doncic. I think they're both going to catch fire, um, you know, 30% of the way into the season, and they're going to start dropping triple doubles, hitting game winners, and it's going to be like you know, changing of the guard, the the old legend versus the new come legend. And uh, yeah, that's my and then my fourth pick, odd man out, kind of right there with Curry is Trey Young. I think Trey Young is going to be yep. in this conversation. Because he's basically, you know, in a Steph Curry position right now, but might even have a better team. He's just not as good as Steph Curry yet. So, yeah, are, that's what I'm leaning towards.
1: I think the the issue with Luca and that he's going to run into this all year is that is the team good enough? I mean, are the Dallas Mavericks going to be relevant enough for people to think of him when that ballot comes across their way? Uh, Steph and the Warriors are 500 right now. I think Steve Kerr might be able to turn that around. I worry about Dallas. They're two and four. Uh, Luka's had some health injuries or not some health injuries, some health issues, I think the last couple days, but even before that, they were under 500. So it just comes one of those things is not really is Luka playing at an MVP caliber because I think he can even this early. It just is going to come down to, is there enough attention on him? Is the spotlight too dim? So that'll be something to watch play out, I think.
0: Yeah, they absolutely have to make the playoffs for him to uh to be in that race. Obviously, there's no Porzingis there, but you just you gotta expect more from guys like Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke. Guys, these guys are guys who have been in the league long enough. You know they have offensive power in them, but they're so inconsistent and they just can't be. They have to be better for him to. And then Willie Cully Stein's got to figure out how to score and shoot a little better. He's a great rim protector, but He's the only big guy down there right now that's really a true big guy. Um, they do have Bobin, you know, um, but he plays in small spurts. So it's just I don't I don't think it's enough to really get them a win or get them out of the first round if they make it.
1: Yeah, I, again, that supporting cast is just really suspect. So uh, unless there's some really quick developments by Cully Stein, Boban, uh, somebody just goes absolute nuts and catches fire it's going to be tough to, to really pin him in
0: next up. We have our first time all-star segment players who will make their first all-star game this season. Give me one from each conference, one West one East. It's a stacked season. As we know, lots of big name Hollywood super brand mega stars that are just going to be in the all-star game year after year until they're done. But every year there seems to be one or two new guys that squeak in and I feel like that's the case this year. So, who do we got?
1: Eastern Conference. I I've got Karis Lavert. I mean, he averaged eighteen points a game last year in the regular season. He got in the bubble, and he was sensational. You know, taking them down or even to the last wire in a game um, that almost had Brooklyn uh, moving on. You know, heading into the postseason. So, I think he's just going to continue to get better. He's surrounded by not really or not only great players, but a great staff that's just just removed from this league. So I think that experience is going to be really key. And in the other side of the conference um, out in the West, I'm going to go Shai Gilgis-Alexander. I think he, he really comes off to me as somebody who's not just a talented guy, but a really smart player. And something tells me he leaned on Chris Paul in those years in Oklahoma. He leaned on Dennis Schroeder. And those are quality basketball players. So you take Gilgis's talent. Um, you know, If he really, really puts his head down, there's no reason he can't be right in the mix.
0: Absolutely. I mean, he's a he's a very talented player. I think for me um the issue is for me in the west is the guards are just so stacked. I mean, you have De'Aaron yeah. Fox putting up 21 a game and he's not even going to get any consideration. You got Damon Steph, uh you got Chris Paul. Um
1: it's tough. And I mean, it's that, a war zone.
0: Yeah, so but my my First time All Star, I think he was snubbed last year. Both of these picks, actually from the West, I'm gonna go Jamal Murray. I think Jamal Murray um, finally steps up consistently all year long and is that second superstar for Jokic, and that they, um, you know, they take this Denver team to the next level. I think Denver um, absolutely makes the West Finals this year. Um, they have started slow. They have started slow, but I think they get it together. I think Jamal Murray makes the All Star game. And then out east, I think Jalen Brown finally gets in there. Um, He's been the best player on the Celtics all season long. Tatum hardly hasn't been. He's hit some game winners, but they've been sketchy bad shots. Um, And I just think right now, Jalen's the more mature player of the two. He plays better defense, and he attacks the rim more aggressively as opposed to taking the step back, fade away, triple teamed, hand in the face shots that Tatum takes. So, yeah, give me Jalen Brown from the East, Jamal Murray from the West. I think everybody else is a staple that we saw from last year.
1: Yeah, and just a quick comment you know, on that note there. I think the biggest difference between Jalen um, and Jason in Boston is that it just seems like Jason thinks more when he has the basketball. And that's something that doesn't show up on the stat sheet it's not really something you can coach a whole lot, but Jalen just looks a lot more natural when he scores the basketball, whether you're talking about from inside, from outside, he's just decisive. It's natural. And I think a lot of times Jason might be maybe just brewing over some of those coaching sessions a little too much and, making the play more complicated than it needs to be. Uh, But at the same time, Jalen's also more athletic. So maybe he has to do that. So just something that I've noticed and definitely something to watch moving forward in Boston.
0: Absolutely. And then of course, Kimball Walker's still out Um, need some more consistent play from Jeff Teague. And then Peyton Pritchard's been amazing. Um, And I can say he's been, he reminds me of a young Jason Williams right now. I don't think he's going to get the play time, you know, to develop into that and his first year or two um but by season three i expect him to potentially even be the starting point guard in boston in his third year um i don't know how much longer kimba walker will be there i think he'll finish the contract and probably go elsewhere um and then jeff teague of course is on the back end of his career so uh, that's yeah. what i see there
1: it's a shame that kimba's had these injury issues because there's no doubt boston's going to look at this at the end of this this deal and that's going to be part of the decision. I mean, as it would be in any city, but he's really a guy that if he's healthy, the city's elated with, I mean, you probably have a Kimba Jersey. You're a Celtics fan. You would have a Kimba Jersey if he was healthy and for the entire season. Right. So yeah. those are some things to think about. And like you said, Peyton might be the next guy in line. When you look at Boston's defensive makeup, who they are as a front office and ultimately what Kimba's going to be do factoring his injury history.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. curious to see how it plays out over there. Of course, Marcus Smart. Um, you know, not really a point guard, but um, smaller, bigger bodied. It's just at six four, so he does handle the rock sometimes. But yeah, it's curious. I'm excited and curious to see what's going to happen out there in Boston. Next two things, really luck of the draw. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of sports cards for a sec here. We used to collect growing up, tons and tons of cards had binders full you know from NBA to NFL baseball Pokemon Star Wars whatever tons and tons of cards so I decided to get back into the card market and what two three days ago I get a get two boxes pull from eBay and I end up pulling two Zion Williamson rookies one John Morant rookie and a couple of other potential stars um, Cam Johnson cam Reddish Uh, Nasir Little, P.J. Washington Jr., guys like that that could develop. But, yeah, two Zion rookie cards, one John Morant rookie card. Holy Um, shit. Is it enticing at all? Does it make you want to get back into sports cards? And how drastically has this market changed?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you right out the gate, watching you unveil those cards the other day really took me back to childhood. And I, I think from a dollar sign perspective aside, it really just kind of invigorated me. You know, these were the things we used to live for it's just unpackaging those cards, looking at who we got laughing at who we didn't like, but you had some amazing luck on that first draw. I mean, you definitely want to see that continue. We, like you said, we had both had a, a big share of cards. I mean, I collected Yu-Gi-Oh, you mentioned star Wars, um, a lot of NFL and NBA. There's of course the story I told the other day to, to uh, my brother and a couple people where eight years old, I, put a uh, Peyton Manning rookie card in my pocket, took it to my friend's house, came back, it was bent, no, you know, the God, rest from there, but no, you could no. go down the list. Um, I think no. I even had a, a blue eyes, white dragon at some point, didn't know what that meant. And now on Google, you see that going from anywhere from two to 10,000, depending on the edition. So, um, it's, yeah, it's a hit, you know, I'm ready to get back into it. I'm excited. Now there's some more meaning to it besides just the fun, but, uh, talk to us a little bit about those, the the cards you got, the Zion, uh, the Morant, what additions are those who are the makers and what are you looking forward to, whether it's, you know, sit or sell? Um,
0: yeah, they're, they're definitely sits. Um, all of these guys, I, of course, I went back and got the, uh, the 1920 season, um, this pack here, uh, they're the Panini silver edition, um, premium stock. And, uh, they just released, I believe November, December, um, of 2020 so they were pretty fresh they were pretty fresh they're one of the later editions that they made from that draft class and i went in just thinking hey maybe i'll get two boxes and maybe i get lucky and get one of these guys right so it was just crazy to see um to land both of them and then to get two zions um i'm definitely gonna sit on them for a, for a while a long time um you know, should one of these guys win championships, all star games, game winners, something crazy? I mean, we've seen the value. I mean, as as of right now, when I opened the Zion card and looked, it was already going from a thousand to two thousand dollars.
1: This is the second year, right?
0: You know, just playing a handful of games, um, but I can say, you know, it's just when he's healthy and he's on the court, it's he—he's a problem. He's a whole problem. I'm sure you saw he uh, became the second fastest player to score um a certain amount of points i forget how much it was or their first um through a certain amount of games but it's him and alan iverson like no jordan no kobe no lebron like the most points scored in their first x amount of games was zion and ai and to me that's crazy because ai was one of the greatest scores
1: of all time like ever alan iverson yeah i think wow. he's the first guy in a long time yeah. whether we're talking about sports cards or him on the court where I really just don't tend to compare him to anybody. I watch him play the game, and he's has his own brand of basketball. It's kind of like what I refer to as bully ball. There just hasn't been anybody like that. Um, you could talk about LeBron, how strong he was in Miami, how strong he got. It just wasn't the same. I mean, we've seen Zion on the court. You would agree, right? It's just one of one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just you can't – there's no – I mean, a guy built like that, what, 6'7", 240, 250 – uh, he jumps through the roof. He can, you know, shoot the three ball from deep inconsistently, you know, right now. But he sh- he can literally pull up from deep. He'll jump from the free throw line, block your shot into the fifteenth row. Like he's he's a true phenomenon. He's a true basketball phenomenon. And it does go down to um, you know, to his health. Can he stay healthy carrying you know that much body mass and muscle and and playing at a high level like that? And then his shooting. Can he become a a great three point shooter because that's what the league is today. We know the better three-point shooting teams. You just score more points, and that's how you win the game. So it's pretty common sense. Right. <clears throat> the, yeah. Uh,
1: bit, we'll see how those cards unfold. The cool thing is is it just includes watching more basketball. So we'll watch NBA. We'll watch the stock. Market, your baby. Cards.
0: Live market. So. And John Morant, too, I mean, was able to lead that battered Grizzly teams. Of course, end of the bubble playoffs last year, barely. Um but it's a feat to see somebody that young, that good from a small school that was virtually unheard of until they hit the NBA scene. Hey, this guy, I mean, should he stay healthy again too? I know he did get hurt with an ankle sprain. Um, but this is again, generational talent. You're talking, you know, Iverson Curry type of player. Should he continue to go down the path that he is?
1: Yeah, he's a little bit of, I see a little bit of Russell Westbrook. Um, and then some, some Kyrie in him. I mean, just as far as how crafty he is around the basket. So it's gonna be cool to watch him continue to develop. Unfortunately, it's in Memphis. I hate the Grizzlies. Being a Suns fan, but uh, nonetheless, dude's a baller and it really a gift on the court.
0: Absolutely. Uh, moving in next, we have the all new exclusive Xbox Series X, which, by the way, mine should be here tomorrow if my if my tracking numbers are right. And the driver doesn't stop somewhere.
1: Better check that tomorrow, Misty Meadow tracking number. Tomorrow, I'll tell you that. Uh,
0: Wednesday at the latest, but tomorrow I should have my Xbox Series X. Um, so we'll get that popped in here. And then we'll move the Series X the or the X1, X1S, into the other room there. So real big fan, gaming, of course, fun times gaming, Xbox Series X. What are you most looking forward to with the Xbox Series X?
1: Wow. I mean, where do I start? It's a whole new generation of gaming. Um, The processing power, the speed, being able to, for one, being able to get my hands on one. Um, I don't have one ordered, so that in itself is going to be exciting. But as a Halo fan, that's going to be the first thing I bring up. Uh, Halo is supposed to come out sometime around fall of this year. That's what we know right now couple things right off the bat that made me excited, Forge Mode is back. So for those guys that played Bungie games, Halo 3 specifically, um, Forge Mode is a mode that allows you to plan, customize, and save um, customizable maps with your friends so you can make custom battles and stuff like that. So they're going to see that come back from the third Halo uh, game. The other thing that I like is that I'm hearing a lot about this being a platform of the next decade, or at least that's what Halo Infinite studio head Chris Lee wants us to think. Um, he's talked a lot about how it's not going to be split up, or excuse me, split up into segmented games over the next 10 years, but more so something you're going to see updated. I think that's really cool as well. People got tired of spending 50, 60 every, you know, four years. So, um, you know, that's got me amped up. And then for those kids who missed the Halo era, or at least the good Halo eras, they're going to have a chance to jump in right away without even having to get their fingers in their dad or mom's credit card uh, purse or wallet. It's going to be free online. So for anybody looking to get into it, if you want to play multiplayer, they have said Halo Infinite is going to be free to jump in that mode right off the bat.
0: Yeah, Halo, I I can legitimately say Halo was, you know, one of the first games that really just stuck me into video gaming and just kept me there. Um, of course sports, you know, NBA live at the time Madden, um, the golf games, but yeah, halo was the first for me. I mean, halo that's where it started and then it went into call of duty, but halo is, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. It was its own universe. Um, they scaled it well that it's, it was just the first really very good FPS game and, um, you know, we've seen what, how gaming has been inspired by it. It's just, they were so far ahead of their time. They could, yeah, the theater mode, the forge mode. I mean, they were, they were well ahead of their time. Well ahead of their time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It'll be cool to see what they've done. And I look, there's no, there's no getting around the fact there's a lot of pressure internally from the Halo community, from diehards. And I think even in that building to get this game, right, there's no secret that there's a lack of momentum coming off the last couple halos so if you like halo um you're rooting for this one to go big and i'm looking forward to see what we haven't heard sneak peeks about so that'll be fun
0: absolutely yeah i think they learned from uh cyberpunk you know cyberpunk came out and, and flopped on the consoles and uh it did it did decent on the next gen and then great on pc um, but I think a lot of games learn from that. If if your game's not ready, if your product's not ready for a certain platform or date, just don't put it out. Do you not. Hear put that, it out. Ronnie? And Ronnie I think we were, Dave, we we we're supposed to put it out this December, I believe, or even January, with um, the Series X when it came out, and then they pushed it to spring, I think, and then they pushed it again till the fall and winter, which is fine because I'd rather get a good full game than not have one. Like my plan is as soon as the Series X comes in, I'm gonna be on Red Dead Redemption too. Like that game is beautiful. That game's a masterpiece.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. And and it's gonna be we talk about it being a movie already, but <laughs> whole new level. I think the excitement there speaks for itself.
0: Absolutely. And then while we're in this cinematic universe state of mind, let's dabble right on into Disney Plus, who single handedly breathed life back into the star Wars franchise and uh, really kept George Lucas, you know, happy and uh, positive about where the franchise is headed after some rather floppy films. As soon as Disney took over, I feel like they kind of went downhill and then Disney plus came back and here's where we are now. So let's start with, of course the Mandalorian, which brought it all back. What did this series do for, star wars and disney plus
1: well i think the more i talk to people who love star wars i hear a lot of the same of of what i've thought myself watching this you know the mandalorian did a great job of tying together the future of star wars with disney and also giving you that feel of originality those things were lacking in the movies you know originalists will tell you that i think even people that are newer to star wars may admit that these newer disney movies they were great from a aesthetic point of view. The acting was great. The production was fantastic, but you just kind of missed that original feel of what star Wars was and why it was important to you. And that's about the characters as as it is the storylines, right? But in the Mandalorian, they really did a good job again of showing us, Hey, here's what tomorrow looks like with star Wars. And here's the importance of it by bringing in characters that matter to you or, showing you characters who are related uh, to original character series. So I think we're going to see more of that to come. And really as Obi-Wan Kenobi drops, um, as Star Wars, the Bad Batch, Lando, Ahsoka, all that stuff pops out. I don't think we're going to see a drop off in terms of those two components, but what are your thoughts there?
0: I'm just one. I'm, I'm excited that Star Wars is back was one of the biggest Star Wars nerds ever growing up. Of course, we mentioned the cars, the uh, the cards we collected, the Legos, the films, the games on computer, GameCube, all this stuff we used to play. Um, yeah, it, it absolutely the way they brought the past, the way way past. I mean, first generation, like Luke Skywalker comes back into the Mandalorian. They they tied everything together: first generation, second generation, and now third generation Star Wars, all together in one. On arguably one of the most best platforms right now with disney plus in terms of originality um i think it's amazing i'm i'm excited i'm ready to see how john favreau and this disney team works with george lucas to continue to expand on the galaxy far far away because it is a magical magical place
1: yeah and it's just funny note there actually Am I the only one that thinks that John Favreau's voice, uh, when he has the Mando helmet on, is just identical to the Five Gum commercial that came out in like 2006? I don't know if they're still running with that voice, but you remember 06, 07, Five Gum commercials, that whisper at the end, that voice. I swear that's the Mandalorian. Just uh, before he got to Tatooine, he was marketing gum. And that's what they don't tell you. So...
0: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't quite remember that. Um, I do remember the five gum commercials, specifically the one where they drop that dude in the vents and, like, the fan blows him up. Um, but, yeah, other than that, no idea. Um, and then circling back last, we had, uh, you know, there's a lot of states now that are legal for sports betting. And uh, how big will it be for the sports industry when all 50 states can fully go legal betting. I mean, it's as a sports fanatic. I mean, it's a pipe dream, right? Like all we want to do is sit around and watch sports and bet on sports, you know, have a whiskey, have a cold one, shoot the shit. And it's just like, I feel like, you know, we're being stifled here by not getting it here. Of course, in Arizona, no sports betting. So tell us about some of that and the success and the, negligence (laughs) you've done in uh in, in sports betting
1: yeah um wow well i'm gonna start off with this if you're new to betting if you've been betting don't bet on on cliff kingsbury just don't um that would be my pro tip for anybody just getting into it but um yeah i mean over the years really since i turned 21 um so about five six years ago i've tried to bet as much and, uh, as often as I can, the problem is in Arizona, you just can't do that a lot. So you either end up going to Nevada, you could fly to Colorado as of last year, you could fly to Mississippi as of a year or two ago, and then Indianapolis as well as as uh, as recent as last year. So, like you said, it's a pipe dream. I mean, people who love sports who talk about sports tend to think they know it. So to basically look at them and say, "Hey, you can't double your money today. You can't triple it." that sucks. So, um, you know, most recently I was in Indianapolis, got a chance to go over to winter circle pub, put down a bet there, lost some money on the Cardinals. And then the day of my flight, I actually won it back times two in a parlay. So that just tells you the fun that can be involved, you know, uh, like anything else, you don't want to get too sucked into it, where that's just all you do. But if you're anywhere like Delaware, Indiana, Iowa, Nevada, I think there's 18 total States, uh, that allow that right now. Definitely take a look. Um, Because it is the future. And I think as far as what it can mean for all these states is is huge economic growth. You know, with these sports bookies comes food vendor partnerships, uh, comes marketing agreements. Um, You could go on and on, right? So it's a win for everybody. We just got to get it legalized.
0: I think the, and then come in full circle, I think the biggest win for sports and for stimulation of the economy will be when sports betting hits Arizona and they're able to infuse a sports betting, um, almost a cannabis type of lounge where you you just, you got it all. You know, I mean, that's, you've come full circle. That's really the match made in heaven right there. I mean, you get um, so many jobs created from this. Like you said, so many vendor opportunities, so many marketing opportunities for all these um, industries with sports, with cannabis, both medicinally and recreationally. It, to me, b- becomes like the, uh, remember the nightclub? Okay, remember the nightclub in Star Wars Episode 2 when Anakin chases Zamliselle into that nightclub? Yep. And, yeah, so I, I, I envision the future of clubs looking like that. They had some futuristic sports on the screens. They had a drinking, smoking type of bar. And then there's betting going on all around on live sports, on digital sports. And I think that's what it's going to be. I mean, we're going to have drone racing. We're going to have video games becoming to the forefront. The future of sports bars is going to change a lot over the next ten to fifteen years. And I am one hundred percent here for it. Looking to even start our own probably one day, right? So,
1: man. yeah, it's it's going to be fun, man. I mean, when you can do it all, and really, as the owner, I think. They're thinking, wow, you, you get the guy to bet. If he loses, he drowns his sorrows in a fucking joint. And then he's right back at the bookie because he just numbed his pain. So from a business standpoint, there's a lot of money to be made in that space. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're just going to have to, you know, you hate to say this, but we're just going to have to vote and wait on some guys in suits at the top. I mean, that's the government. So
0: as always, as always. Yeah. Well, hey, it's been a great, uh, been a great Monday night pod here on Fanatic Smack, an original Fun Times Gaming podcast, our first one of 2020. Um we're here again with Mason Gupte, guy by a cactus on Twitter. Look him up by a cactus on Twitter, hit the follow button. And if you're not following Fun Times Gaming, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you do social media activities, Fun Times Gaming guy by a cactus this is fanatic smack and i'm your host carrington guptay thanks for joining us tonight we will see you on the next episode